You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from Game Over Montreal on SDPN and the Montreal Gazette. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Mary Clark from For the Win. And we've got a great show for you today. We're going to bring the emotions, talking about Guy Lafleur. We're going to talk about the playoff matchups being, you know, partially set, but the playoff, like who's making the playoffs and who's not, is is mostly decided at this point. We're going to look at the Buffalo Sabers. They're actually maybe good. There's some positive signs on the horizon, and of course, our pop culture segment at the end of it. But uh, thanks, of course, for making us your first listen every Tuesday and Friday when this show comes out. But uh, before we get into the hockey, obviously, every Monday show, we have to talk about what we've been doing since the last time we talked, because it's, you know, a four day break for Mary and I. And how was your weekend, Mary? My weekend was good. Um, just a relaxing one. Got to hang out with my friends. Uh, I watched Men in Black for the first time ever, which I know it feels sacrilege considering, you know, I was born in the 90s and grew up in that era and never watched the movie. But I watched it with my (laughs) friends and it was a great time. I had a very good time. Uh, We're not going to watch, I think, the uh, sequels because I've heard from my friends they are bad. But yes, they are. um, I enjoyed um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. So, like I said, I just had a good time with my friends and. Uh, you know, got to enjoy a little bit of the weather. Thankfully, like it's starting to, it doesn't look nice here today, but you know, over the weekend, it was a little bit nicer. So I got to, you know, go outside and read for a bit, just, you know, relaxing before the, um, the, you know, the inevitable playoff grind, because it is going to be a lot, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the playoff grind is, it's always a little bit exhausting, but at the same time, it almost fills you with energy because it's so exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. My weekend was all work. (laughs) <laughs> back-to-back <laughs> games for the for the Canadians to cover. There was like the emotional passing of Guy Lafleur, and then I was in meetings all weekend because uh, there's some news coming down the pipe today. So make sure you listen to the Steve Dangle podcast when it gets when it gets posted, probably around 5 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you check that out. There'll be some interesting things to talk about really soon. I've got meetings tonight as well. I'm just so are you ever going to get a break? Are you ever going to get a break, Andrew? I think that's Tomorrow. what we're... All right, good, good. I'm happy because, you know, like I said, playoff grind is real. And while it fills you with energy, it is still a very busy time, especially at the beginning because there's so many games happening. Yes. So it can be, you know, it can be... It's it's the great time of the playoffs because there's so much happening. There's a lot of games on, but it can also be kind of exhausting. So I get it. So take the rest when you can, Andrew, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I'm not as overworked as somebody like our friend uh, Shana Goldman, who is, in my opinion, the hardest working analyst in the game. And every time she posts on like her Instagram stories about her setup with like three yeah, TVs yeah, yeah. and her laptop open watching games, sometimes different sports, I'm like, how do you even pay attention? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who can do the multiple screens thing. Maybe, maybe two. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I've done two screens for like Olympics, but I don't like to do more than that. I can't pay attention. I I too little attention span for that but uh all the credit in the world to people who can so let's talk about the playoffs a little bit here because you know a few weeks ago it was a little bit more uncertain right the kings were slumping it looked like they might fall out now they've won four in a row here phil Deneau has been incredible down the stretch for for the kings and they're back solidified uh, the only real possibility in terms of what could happen for teams missing the playoffs is the Vegas Golden Knights sneaking in. But the thing is, 
They are three points behind the Dallas Stars. Uh, four points behind the Nashville Predators. They only have three games left. So, like, Nashville only needs to win a game. Dallas needs to get three points in their last three games. It's not looking good for Las yeah. Vegas, Mary. And especially because um, the Golden Knights lost in a shootout. Um, you know, I mean, sure, they get a point, but uh, they lost in a shootout uh, Sunday night against the Sharks. That should have been... Uh, for a team of their, you know, playoff aspirations, an easy two points. Uh, but, you know, only getting one keeps them alive. But they basically have to win out now. Um, and it just, it doesn't feel doable, especially with the strength of schedule. I think, you know, I don't remember specifically. We talked about the schedule the last time, the last podcast. And I don't remember specifically what it was. But Vegas had a, like, had at least a handful of playoff teams in their remaining games. Meanwhile, somebody like Dallas or LA are like, have a really... A much easier schedule uh so it's it's an uphill battle for vegas and i really i really don't think that they are that they're gonna make it i mean it just yeah. it, it it just feels like they have run out of runway um and maybe even like if they had another game or two maybe they could have flipped it but i don't i i think it i think it's over for them i unless they win out and they you know show an incredible resiliency um here but it feels like the cards are stacked against them because um everybody in like jockeying for that last like those two wild card spots they all have the same amount of games played so there's no help here basically on the way for vegas they technically they're in kind of in control of their own destiny in a way but you know that there's they have to have some help basically if like nashville or dallas like drop a couple but it's just the, the it it's too much, I think, too much for them to overcome. It is. And frankly, the way it happened against the San Jose Sharks is very funny that <laughs> I think it was Timo Meyer said in the media that this was like their Stanley Cup was to mm -hmm. knock Vegas out of a playoff spot, mm -hmm. which is very funny because the rivalry between those two teams is so strange, both. In yeah, terms of because that. they swapped they swapped coaches, didn't they? They swapped coaches. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not swapped. Gerard Gallant went, never went to. San yeah, Jose, but, but Peter DeBoer, Peter DeBoer went, to, swapped, went to Vegas. So. And it seemed like all of the rivalry between San Jose and Vegas was when DeBoer was with San Jose. Like there was fights between DeBoer specifically and the Vegas Golden Knights. Like he was accused of, I believe, uh, chirping from the bench or something like that. There was a big hubbub yeah, about it. Thing, yeah. yeah. And now there's stuff going on now with Vegas where uh, I was reading yesterday that Robin Leonard has been like refusing to play because of things that DeBoer said while he was playing hurt. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of drama there. I don't know if Peter DeBoer su survives this. I think that's my yeah. big takeaway for Vegas. But the fact that Vegas could have been in decent position to make a playoff spot this year if they could just hold a lead against the San Jose Sharks, just like they easily would have won the other year if they could just win a whole win a uh, hold, a hold lead a lead against the San Jose Sharks, and they could not do it. They gave it's up two kryptonite. in the last couple minutes. Yeah, it's, it's just their not. kryptonite. Yeah, the one thing that they have going for them. The Vegas Golden Knights looking at their schedule now is they play Dallas to, uh, when this show comes out on Tuesday that night. They play Dallas. That's, uh, so. that's, uh, that's basically it. Probably if they lose that, yeah. it's it's basically over. So, yeah. you know, even if they let it go to overtime, I think it's over. Yeah. They, yeah, it is. It The margin is so thin for them. And uh, that's going to be probably a playoff type atmosphere for oh, sure yeah. because it, it is essentially a, a, a win and you're in. Uh, playoff game, what yeah. it feels and like. So. That San Jose game was also Vegas's last home game of the year. 
Yeah. Oh, so, that's rough doing this on the road too. Yep. That yeah. I mean, I don't know Vegas's road schedule because some teams are better on the road than they are at home. But they're about equal. Uh, they have twenty-two wins at home, twenty on the road. But I mean, Still, even even then, you're not going to get juiced as much. Like the, no. the it really does factor in, especially at the end of the year. Um, especially if you're you know fighting for your playoff lives, it's going to feel like a playoff game there, and that's absolutely going to be a must-watch game for any hockey fan, really, because this is. This is all we have left in terms of like the excitement at the end of the regular season. We're recording on Monday. Uh, the playoffs start a week from today as we're recording. Uh, less than a week by the time you guys hear this. So, uh, sure, there's like a couple of days left. But this is all the excitement we're going to get, really. There's not much else outside of like which teams will slot in where and, you know, stuff like that. But this is this is the big excitement. So definitely, you know. This is the game to watch because uh, it is going to be probably a pretty awesome game if I had to guess. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's going to be a real intense uh, situation down in Dallas, but uh, outside of that, there's really not much going on in terms of uh, you know who's going to make it. The... I guess props to the Kings though for yeah, you know because the last time the last time we talked, what the, I don't remember we how worried. many games they had won. Yeah, we were a bit worried about them, and they've since rattled off four wins in a row. Um, and basically secured themselves nearly essentially that third uh, spot in the Pacific division. So, you know, props to the Kings for, you know, getting it done. I, the, you know, their chances of being basically a dark horse in these playoffs, I think took, have taken a hit, um, especially with the injury to Drew Doughty, right? Yeah. I believe. Yeah. So th they've definitely taken a hit in terms of their dark horse potential, but, you know, good on them for, you know, having a real good rally to the end of the end of the season and putting themselves in a good spot. I mean, it's not over yet. Anything can still happen, but they have two games left because they're at 80 games. They have two games left, but they can really solidify their position. Um, and they've done so. And it's, you know, wild how things can change between the, like in a couple of days span, uh, especially at the end of the season. Yeah. Although I will say if LA loses their last two games in regulation and Vegas wins their last three, in regulation vegas will hop over la despite tying them in points because they would have more wins mm, yeah regulation wins yeah uh, not regulation wins uh oh. no they would have more regulation wins. yeah i thought that's yeah, how the tiebreaker is regulation i think wins. it goes regulation wins after regular wins or something like I mean, maybe it does regulation wins first it's it's like regulation wins uh regular wins head to head and then goal differential i think yeah. are the tiebreakers i mean they should just have a playoff i was gonna like, say i think we I, I could hear you and your voice heading to the playoff thing because you know that's the most fun uh what did we almost got it in baseball didn't we i feel like we almost got like a playoff game in baseball uh was it last year i think uh those types of things should be you know uh those should be the tiebreakers we love a one and you're done uh you know game to get into the playoffs it's great i i really i think it you know we should utilize that more but no we have to you know scout the like like i don't know the standings and you know try and do all the math to figure out it and it's just dumb but uh yeah it's it's the west is really fascinating to watch right now just because at any like all these games matter to these teams like i mean sure every game does technically matter but now it is the crunch time. It is, you know, it's it's really fun to watch these games because I have no investment in them. So it's just good hockey. It really is. It's a lot of fun, good hockey um, and a precursor to the playoff excitement that we're going to get in a week. 
hundred percent. And for those whose teams aren't going to make the playoffs, never fear because it's the best time of the year for you as well. Because all of that sports pain that you've been experiencing this whole terrible season, if you're a Flyers fan or Canadians fan or Senators fan, what have you? Well, 15 more teams are about to experience that, but much more intense because <laughs> only one team gets to be happy at the end of all this. So you're going to have lots of people and different fan bases to commiserate with and laugh at. It's going to be a great time. It and is. we're <laughs> we're going to talk about the playoffs more on our Friday show. We're going to do a bit of a playoff preview and maybe continue that on our Tuesday show next week. We haven't decided yet if we're going to put that on Monday to get a little bit more talk before the playoffs start. But. Before we do that, we're going to continue on on this show, and we're going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres, another team that's missing the playoffs again, but it's a much different vibe this year than recent years. We're going to talk about that coming up next, but first I got to tell you about HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? You get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorsteps. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. It's all about convenience with HelloFresh. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. HelloFresh's chefs really know how to diversify the menu with seasonal recipes like salmon limon and pasta primavera. I actually got HelloFresh for a long time personally. Uh, when we had our first kid, we got into a bit of a rut of making things and like always feeling like we were behind the eight ball for dinner. So we got HelloFresh twice a week or no, three times a week in the, in the box and we would pick out the meals and you know, you get to try new things cause you, they have like multiple meals that you can pick from every week and then it just gets delivered to your door. You try out new stuff and then obviously you, you have the recipe cards. You can keep those and make those meals yourselves and make, make adjustments to them, make them better for yourself later on. It's really actually been a great thing for us personally. And as HelloFresh has gone on in the last few years, the amount of options they have every week to pick from has gone up significantly. It's a much bigger company. So it's, it's actually really, really <laughs> interesting to use. But, uh, Go to HelloFresh.com right now and uh, HelloFresh.com, sorry, slash LockedOn16 and use code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. 16 free meals. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16. It's highly, <laughs> okay, so it's America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to LockedOn or HelloFresh.com slash Locked on 16, 16 free meals plus three free gifts. This is a huge deal. So check it out. All right, Mary, the Buffalo Sabres are fun, are hopeful. <laughs> Was the problem Jack Eichel all along? I mean, Aww. I don't believe that. No, no, no. It's just a it funny is, coincidence. It's just a funny coincidence. It's extremely funny that he's going to miss the playoffs again. Yeah. I will say. Like, yeah. I have nothing against him whatsoever. But Well, you know what? I funny. think we've talked about this. Not to continue our Vegas talk, but we've talked about this. I think this is good for Vegas. Sure, they want to make the playoffs, but I think it's good for them to, you know, miss finally for the first time in franchise history and, you know, reevaluate. Um, I mean, they've got a lot, a lot of money on the books. I don't know how they're going to deal with their cap situation, but I think this is good for them to reassess, maybe do their best to do some retooling. Um, and, you know, if Jack Eichel is healthy, like has a good off season and is healthy um, and, you know, he finally has a 
good healthy season uh, for the first time in a long time it feels like for him um uh i think they'll do good uh for this team so you know obviously we don't blame jack eichel for this but uh i i think the Sabres, not the sabers the the golden knights are still in a good position even if they miss the playoffs this year i still think i mean had you know they've been healthy for a lot of the year uh they probably would have taken good advantage of the chaos in the western conference and i don't see that chaos changing unless some you know unless a lot of things happen in the offseason to move the powers that be but the eastern conference is the big juggernauts the west is it's got a few teams but then it's just chaos everywhere else so i really think vegas will probably be able to take advantage of that if they can remain healthy for another year yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, Buffalo, uh, the big thing that was going around this week was that they've scored more goals at even strength than three playoff teams, which is it's just good. But I will point out that despite the positivity around Buffalo, they're still 28th in the league in expected goals for percentage at five on five. So there's still a long ways to go for that roster. I think the main thing that surprised me about Buffalo this year is after losing Eichel and frankly not getting the greatest return for him, mm-hmm. they didn't seem to be worse, right? And a lot of that comes down to, in my opinion, coaching. And just talking to some people around the game, uh, some progressive people around the game, they are very, very high on Don Granato as a coach who can build things going forward. They speak about him in the same way that people speak about Martin St. Louis, a player who, or a coach who fully gets it and will get the most out of their best players. And for the Buffalo Sabres and their fans, that's got to be a good thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sorry, I was trying to Google his name because it sounds familiar in that I thought he was... Okay, good. He was you thought the, he was Tony Granato? Yes, I thought he was Tony Granato, the coach of um, the Badgers. Uh, I also thought that early in the season. I was just like, Granato, yeah, it's that yeah. Granato. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know... Uh, some famous Granados. There's Cammy Granato. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's Don it's Granato one of now. the it's one of the hockey like big hockey families. So because uh, I was gonna be like, oh, college experience have you know a lot of good um, like stuff with younger players, but that doesn't matter. I'm glad I looked that up while you were talking, so I could you know not make a fool of myself. But uh, yeah, he seems to have done a really good job with this team. Um, they are still they've got some like young pieces. Tage Thompson has had a really fantastic season. Yeah. Um, like 37 goals, 67 points in 76 games. That is like she has 37 goals. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, crap. hold on. Let me, let me sort by goals here. I mean, Jeff Skinner has Jeff Skinner is 33. I didn't know that either. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. That like, doesn't surprise me because Skinner is one of those guys who he just goes on, on a year and off a year, on a year, off a year. Mm. Like when he scored 40 in Buffalo, people were shocked, but he'd scored 37 two years prior in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just a name I haven't heard in a while, probably because he's been on Buffalo and they haven't been, sorry, Sabres fans, they haven't been relevant. But, like, they've got some good pieces here. I mean, yeah, I mean, Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner have the are the only two players above 30 goals. But, I mean, it's the Sabres. They're not going to have a lot of goals. But, like, they've had some, like, good, like, they have some good pieces here. I mean, they still have, you know, a lot, like, lot to go i mean their goaltending this year has been you know just a terrible uh i mean they've uh, according to uh hockey reference i see six goalies here that have played for them this season you don't want to see that um even if you're a team like the sabers who you know isn't going to compete but you know they've had some bad goalie luck i mean they've had to rely on craig anderson uh you know 40 year old craig anderson to you know 
have things like do things in net for them and it's just or Dustin you know. Tokarski who hasn't yeah. played in the NHL in a few years now or Aaron Dell who is a cast off from the last time I remember him he was in San Jose um so yeah it just it's not it's not great I mean they've got uh, the the goalie with the name I can't pronounce it's really long he's Finnish so Uka Peko Lukanen. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he seems to be like maybe their, you know, goalie of the future, uh, but he hasn't played a lot of, because I believe he was injured, I think. So, yeah, there's there's pieces here for the Sabres. And it's I wanted to put this in here because, like, you know, we've talked about a handful of teams, you know, since they've been eliminated from the playoffs about, you know, their future and stuff like that. I thought that tweet that I saw was a good, I guess, conversation starter about the Sabres team because, sure, they suck and they have sucked for a while, but is it finally going to be the time where they start to turn the corner and like, it's basically, this is a new page for them getting like, they didn't deal with the Jack Eichel stuff. Well, we all know this, yeah. but we've talked about this before, but that era of the Buffalo Sabres is over. And now much like you Jack hope. Eichel, we all we hope. hope we hope, but much like Jack Eichel, the Sabres now can move on and, you know, do their best to move forward with their, you know, career, like, you know, their franchise and try not to make the same mistakes they did or, you know, just like try and move on from this all. And it is, and I think we've seen the shadow it's cast on both Eichel and the Sabres. Um, so I would hope that the Sabres have learned lessons here and that they're going to, you know, be better to their players overall um, and stuff like that. So we'll see. But I think that this is like a good step for them. Like just having momentum to close out a season can do good things for you. Sure. Momentum is what it is. And some people leave it exists. Some people don't. But, you know, it's 82 games is a long season. And if you end the season, you know, kind of on a high note, uh, because I believe I put in in here that uh, since Mar March 1st, they've gone 15, 8 and 3, which is better than you would expect a Sabres team to be. And they've, you know, been I, they beat the Flyers in back-to-back -back games recently. I mean, that's probably not, like, a huge win considering the Flyers are so bad. But, like, it's still, like, it's still just a little bit of progress. And it's nice to see the Sabres take steps forward because this whole Jack Eichel thing has been around them for so long. And it just hasn't been working. And both sides should be better off now than they were before. Um, so let's just hope that this momentum continues. That they've got a long road. Because, as I said, the Eastern Conference is full of juggernauts. And some of them may eventually fall out, like the Capitals uh, and the Penguins. Um, but, you know, it's just a wild amount of teams in there that's so talented. Especially in the Atlantic Division. With the Atlantic Division being the toughest division this year in the NHL. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So it's yeah. it's going to be a tough road for them, but I think that they're making strides to be better than a basement team uh, in the coming seasons. That's all. Yeah. Anyway, a hundred percent. And you know, the other positive thing that they have going for them is Owen Powers there now. Yes. And I I'm looking at this roster that they have in Buffalo, and one thing that sticks out to me is a lot of their best players are also huge. You know, <laughs> Dylan Cousins is six three. Alex Tuck is six four. Rasmus Dahlin, I people see him as a small guy, but he's six three. Right, like he's yeah. he's a big guy. And then Tage Thompson is six seven. Mary, yeah, jeez. Strange, wow. like a really strange thing about the league, and this is something that I've discussed with a few people who are in like skills coaching. Is if you look around the league, it's very, very, very rare to see a forward who has star quality offensive talent or offensive numbers at the NHL level 
who's taller than six foot four. Yeah. It's it's almost it almost does not exist across the history of the league. And from what I've been told, a big thing with that, a big reason for that is guys who are tall like that and big when they're little, they just don't get focused on from skills coaches because or coaches in general because they dominate play just due to size, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas other players you have to work with to develop different skill sets to, you know, make bre- uh, game-breaking plays to create things for themselves, whereas those tall guys can just muscle through it. But at the NHL level, you can't do that anymore. So it's very rare you have a guy who's that big who has that level of skill that Tage Thompson has. So that is super interesting to watch because the only guy that I can think of in like the last 20 years – and people can correct me if I'm wrong. There was over six foot four and put up like NHL star level numbers. Blake Wheeler, who's six foot five. Mm-hmm. So Tage Thompson has the possibility of being an absolute unicorn for <laughs> yeah. the Buffalo Sabres. There's a lot to be positive about. Yeah, and it's yeah, and I mean he is absolutely broken out this year. I mean, looking at his looking at looking at his stats page, he didn't he didn't even have a double digit. Uh, goals tally at all in his uh, previously four-year NHL career. I mean, before he played 76 games, uh, you know, he played doing a rough amount of math, probably like, I don't know, 100 some. I can't, I can't do the math that quickly, but you know, no, I mean, he, he had that tantalizing talent, but he's been pretty bad Yeah, <laughs> up until yeah. this year. So he's really taken a step forward and, you know, it's basically been his coming out party this year for Buffalo. And it's it's been one of the better stories for this team, especially considering all the Jack Eichel stuff has just been bad press after bad press. Deservedly so. Absolutely deservedly so. But like, you know, that doesn't reflect on the players on the team. It is the management's problem was like what caused all the Jack Eichel stuff. The players are just there to play hockey. So it is it's not their fault. And it's good on, you know, the the young stars. Um, of the Sabres to, you know, keep this train moving because it, it's going to be tough to compete in the Eastern Conference anytime soon, it feels like. But, you know, if the Sabres can make, you know, smart moves here and, you know, continue to build on what they've got, uh, this should at least be a more fun team than we've seen in recent years because the Sabres have just been bad for a very long time, it feels like. I, uh, I, I can't... It doesn't feel like it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just have been. Now, I mean, I remember growing up, they were, they were, I mean, they, you know, were uh, powerhouse enough that they were fighting against the Flyers in the playoffs. So uh, I have some memory of that when I was younger, but it has been a very long time since the Sabres were like that. And, you know, this is just, this is, it's just good to see. I know that, you know, the Sabres have kind of been, you know, the butt of everyone's jokes. Uh, for some time but I think it's good that they're moving on here because I think you know it's much like the senators like you want them to succeed even though they have you know been mired in a lot of things over the last handful of years and it's just you know you you want the bad teams to get better you don't want bad teams to stay bad forever even if you know they're your rival team we want uh you know good teams in the nhl and we want everybody to push everybody uh to their limits that's what makes awesome hockey and stuff like that so yeah i, I think this is good for the sabers even if it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day i still think this is just you know at least some positive signs they've got a lot of work to do though that's for sure yeah uh the sabers haven't made the playoffs since 2010 11 they haven't won a oh, playoff God. round since 2007 and they have missed the playoffs all but five years since 2001 yeah all but four years sorry all but four years since 2001 so this is a team that 
had a brief streak where they were excellent uh, mm-hmm. in 0506 and 0607. Both times they went to the conference final, and then since then have been unbelievably the bad. Danny Breer years because wasn't Danny Breer yeah. on the Sabers? Yeah, yeah, and then was. he eventually came to the Flyers. So yeah. All right, but that's all we've got on the Sabres. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about Guy Lafleur because uh, obviously the news regarding Guy this past week and the Montreal Canadiens celebration of his life and legacy. But first, I got to talk to you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Mary, did you see any of the the ceremony for Gila Fleur? That, I did a uh, little bit. I saw the uh, 10 minute uh, standing ovation. Yeah, that was uh, incredible. Which was really awesome. I feel like you're going to take the floor mostly on this because um, Gila Fleur was not a hockey player I watched because I was not alive. I don't Me think either. <laughs> you were either, but you have covered and followed the Canadians. So you know the history. I mean, I know he's an incredible hockey player, historic, means a whole lot to the city of Montreal and to the hockey world as a whole. So I, but I don't have the, you know, the knowledge here to really, I guess, you know, give a good eulogy basically for him because he passed away a handful of days ago now. Uh, but what I saw in Montreal was really beautiful um, and it was really moving. And I can only imagine if you were there in the arena, what it was like, because I don't think the videos were incredible, but I don't think they do it justice if I had to guess. Uh, so I'll probably let you take the floor on this one because you probably speak to it more. But for my um, you know, spot as an outsider, it was really moving and beautiful and a uh, tribute to, it seems, the person he was in his life and his personal life and um, in his life playing hockey. Yeah, it was incredible. And I have to do like hats off to the Montreal Canadiens for perfecting this kind of thing you know i know that they get made fun of once in a while for their excessive ceremonies but they are a team that knows how to pull off something like this and make it classy and beautiful and having the group of canadians alumni all together behind the bench uh of the montreal canadians during this whole thing during the game it was really special they took all the ads off of the boards yeah that was neat which was super cool. It was so refreshing. Yeah. And yeah. like watching a game that way, you like, you can't help but notice it. And I just wonder what it would look like to watch with a clean sheet as well. I feel like advertising is so like in our face all the time. We, we can't escape from it in a digital world anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see what that actually looks like because it's something that, you know, the Gila Fleurs of that era, that's how they played the game. But Lafleur, uh, 
during his career, like his the peak of his career in the 70s, he led all players in points and uh, was second in goals to Phil Esposito. Esposito scored uh, in the 70s there uh, 433. Guillefleur scored 405. He was unbelievable. And I had the pleasure of watching him play in an old-timers game when I was a kid. He put, uh, like, rockets on his skates to do a little stunt. So he still had a sense of humor even even then. And I met him uh, about eight years ago. I did an interview with him for a, a radio thing that I was doing. And just absolutely a force of nature. Uh, it's hard to even describe how much life there was in Guillafleur, how cool he was, and how much he just like took over a room. He had that vibrant energy to him. And I think that's why this situation was so shocking to people because it was very public that he was going through cancer. It'd been a couple of years that he'd been in cancer treatment. He'd had uh, heart surgery, open heart surgery a couple of years ago as well. So like people knew that his health was failing him. Uh, he was a chain smoker until 2019 when uh, he was di- uh, when he had the bypass, you know, it, he lived a hard life. He was a heavy drinker in his playing days. Cause they were partying all the time in the seventies, <laughs> winning nonstop Stanley cups. You know, but uh, I think Gila Fleur was too cool to die. And yeah. that's why it shocked so many people, even though they knew that it was not far from happening. It was still such a shock. Whereas, you know, uh, Jean Beliveau, uh, when he died, you know, the the picture of grace and finesse when he was playing and uh, off the ice as well. But he was, you know, seen as such an old man, right, that mm-hmm. people expected him to eventually pass on Guy even though he was an old man, 70 years old, he never felt like an old man. It's yeah. a strange, strange feeling with Guy Lafleur. And you see across the league the different uh, moments of silence, the cheers that have erupted in different arenas for Guy Lafleur. He's a person who affected so many people across different fan bases. And what I talked about on Game Over was that there are players who are iconic for their teams. And Lafleur certainly was that he was, he's one of the four forwards that uh, the, the, were like the pillars of the Montreal Canadians as they are uh, between him, Howie Morenz, uh, Jean Beliveau and Maurice Richard. They were, they're the guys who have statues out in front of the building. They're the guys that they always bring up. They always will be. But Guy Lafleur was also the icon of the times. He was 1970s hockey, you know, and it's not like he came into an era where it was easy to be that either. Like he wasn't anointed. He came in and stole that from Bobby Orr and the Boston Bruins and Phil Esposito, a team that was expected to dominate that era as the Canadians were, you know, losing Jean Beliveau and no longer expected to be the best team. And then they went and they won almost every single Stanley Cup in the 1970s. Like it's absolutely wild. He won five. They won a couple more without him uh, at the beginning there, but just astonishing how iconic this man is and was. So I'm, you know, it's emotional because you have connections to the person, but it's also just really cool to see the collective experience and love for a person like this. And man, the bell center remains the most special place in hockey. And oh, I want to go biased. to a game so bad, so bad, yeah. Andrew. Like call me biased, but a 10 minute and 10 second ovation. And every time they tried to interrupt the crowd, they yeah. just got louder. Mm-hmm. There's no other place like it in hockey and no other place could even try. 
Yeah. It's it's a special place. And one thing that I mentioned on the show uh, the night before this event happened was I was talking to Andrew Cohen, who's a, a legal analyst and he works for things like the Marshall Project, but he's a huge Canadians fan. He was on the show. The, the Bell Center has a reputation for being the arena that anticipates goal scoring, right? So mm-hmm. like when where a lot of places you react to the goal scoring, Canadians fans you know, it's a very steep incline in the bell center. So in order to see when the, when things get in tight, everybody leans forward and that bell center lean is become an iconic thing. It's a famous part of the experience at the bell center and that anticipation of something special is about to happen. And I think a lot of that has to do with how Canadians fans were conditioned to watch the game while watching Gila Fleur and how that's been passed down through the ages now to modern fans that whenever Gila Fleur had the puck on his stick, people lean forward mm-hmm. and that has not gone away. I hope it never goes away because it's such a special thing and we have to, we owe that to Guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can say anything better than that. That was, uh, yeah. I mean, rest in peace. Uh, good on Montreal for an incredible, uh, you know, celebration, uh, you know, a ceremony uh between the video i didn't see all the, all the video but you know between that and what the fans did the no ads on the boards all that stuff it was a wonderfully well done a beautiful celebration uh and yeah that he will be missed there's not going to be anybody else like that in hockey i don't think ever it feels like it, yeah you know, i mean in, maybe modern players could learn a little something from geek because he was a guy who never shied away from you know being special and and being out there, you know, released a disco album in the seventies. I don't know if you've ever heard that. That's my kind of hockey player. No, but that's my kind of (laughs) hockey player. I'm all for that. Yeah, you can find it. It's it's on YouTube. You can look it up. Guy Lafleur released a disco album at the height of his popularity. That's absolute wild man. And a guy who was very uh, forward about the fact that you should be prioritizing offense and actually retired because the Canadians hired his former line mate, Jacques Lemaire, and Lemaire basically invented the trap and wanted Guy to play defense. And he was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and he <laughs> retired for four years before coming back. And I think uh, as much as Jacques Lemaire's trap did redefine hockey for, man, 30 years and is still a big thing today, Guy Lafleur was right. <laughs> like, just because it's successful doesn't mean it's good. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. It, it broke hockey for a long time. It was not a good sport. And uh, we're just getting out of it now. So uh, be more like Guy is what I have to say for both uh, the Canadians and for players in general. Let's give us some entertainment. Let's prioritize the entertainment side of hockey a little bit. But uh, I think that's all we have to say on on Guy because we I could go on for longer, but we don't need to do that. We'll It'll just get circular. So we're going to talk about our pop culture segment in a moment. But first, I'm going to tell you about Built Bar. This is the time of the year where I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? Well, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallows. Marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included 100% real chocolate. 
low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Whether it's mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, or something else like the new for this month, white chocolate, cookies and cream, they're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it and it'll be delicious and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Mary, how much time did you have this weekend to relax and watch something? Obviously, you watched Men in Black. Yeah. You want to talk about some Men in Black? Um, I didn't have to. I just, I really enjoyed it. It uh, was really cool. Uh, hearing what they did in the sequels made me kind of mad, considering all the stuff that they, you know. I thought it was just a nice, like, contained story that, sure, uh, had possible branching off points for a sequel but then apparently they you know didn't do all that and just brought back agent k again after you know his memories were wiped and like what why would you do that that doesn't make any sense it's bad i'm just gonna you know delete all that knowledge from my memory and just don't the sequels just don't exist in my brain so it's just a nice contained story um but i really enjoyed the performances overall i mean it was funny that it was a will smith movie considering all the stuff about him recently but i've said that my friends and i have been like we've been writing down movies and basically using a giant online wheel to pick uh you know from the movies and we've been watching them once a week uh, and it's been really fun and men in black was the uh one that we picked this time and i think this upcoming weekend is going to be a a french animated film that's kind of like based off a fan of the opera i don't know (laughs) yeah so it's just it's uh i definitely recommend doing this with your friends being like hey put these movies like you know in a pile and randomly pick one and then watch it and then have fun just uh, either you know either you know one of us has seen it we've not or we just want to see it because i think i think we're going to put uh we may either move the batman up because you know we talked about uh we talked about um the two of us andrew we talked about watching that movie and uh, a couple of my friends are interested in it and i don't know if we'll put it in the rotation or you know actually like watch it uh in a couple of weeks but that's in there there's a lot of interesting stuff in there and you know things my friends haven't seen things i haven't seen some of them haven't seen indiana jones i'm like how could you not have seen that and then you know they were the same to me with men in black so it's you know we're trying to do our best to you know show each other different pop culture stuff and it's been fun so far but uh i've been continuing on with our flag means death i think i'm like on episode five or six something like that finally like fully met blackbeard uh really intrigued by where it's going to go i've been enjoying it a lot Luna is about to jump down, so this is, might be her first <laughs> podcast appearance. She's, she loves to do this all the time when I'm, you know, on meetings and stuff. But, you know, if she comes down and says hi, that won't be, it'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, I that's basically it. I mean, I've been playing Elden Ring still, Final Fantasy fourteen still, uh, trying to, you know, watch more things. That's That's basically been it. I do the same things every week. I try and bring more things to the table in terms of variety because I feel like you watch more things than me, Andrew. So I always feel like I'm doing the same thing every week. Uh, so, but, you know, but 
doing my best but uh yes i had a good relaxing weekend and got to watch some cool things and hopefully maybe by the time we convene again on thursday i will have finished our flag means death maybe so all right yeah uh, but everything i've been watching has been good or playing has been good just it's it's just a good time for pop culture i must say it it really is i'm glad that men in black held up because that was definitely a movie that i loved as a kid and a lot of movies that you watch when you're a kid don't hold up very well. It was just fun. It was it was distinctly 90s in a way that I was like, man, I'm really nostalgic for this this type of movie. Like it just it felt of its era. And, you know, as somebody who grew up in that era, I don't know, it just was nice to, you know, be reminded of kind of what it was like growing up as a kid. And sure, I, I probably would have really loved it if I'd watched it growing up, but it made me really nostalgic for, you know, my childhood. And I think that's, you know, it's a good thing that I watched it now because, you know, made me miss the 90s a little bit and you know we could always have more 90s in our life if i'm being honest so yeah and that was part of will smith's three-year run that set him up as like the it guy for a while in hollywood where he did mm-hmm. independence day men in black and then enema enemy of the St- enema of the state this is a blake Wayne <laughs> two album but yeah enemy of the state uh and then after that he did like one good movie for 15 years and then of course he had his singing career so like yes yeah i mean and also you know fresh prince of bel-air which tri- is a, tri- a true triple iconic. threat a true triple threat yeah. if we're being honest yeah and also he's got a good slap <laughs> that's gonna follow him around forever isn't it just <laughs> oh oh 100 i mean he's banned from the forever. academy for a decade yeah i mean but, it, it uh, is... you know yeah they did a standing ovation for roman polanski Tells you where Hollywood's. Hate Hollywood. It's awful. And listen, I understand coming down on Will Smith, hundred percent. Yeah, but you got to do something about the the, other stuff. It's much like the NHL's Department of Player Safety. I don't. It's much like the NHL's Department of Player Safety. Like, if you're gonna bring the hammer down on somebody, make it consistent across the board. Like, you can't just like let these people get away scot free. But that's how their system works, and that's how. They keep the people they have in power and it just, it sucks, Andrew, but it does. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning into the cross check NHL show and making it your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. Nemec, your second listen locked on fantasy hockey host steel Roden and flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you on Friday. <laughs>